like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. All right, so Justin Harrison, the CEO. And so I look at this and I say, it's one of those, it's like one of those acronyms when i look at it i want to say you because i see the v and it looks like the latin you right and so i go like you've uh it looks like but it's you. it's you've is that you. our you've you call it you've okay yeah all right so you only virtual you got it okay good so so you were just saying though that here you were you were coming out of surgery after having you know, been in this wreck, your father comes down, Mr. Engineer, Mr. Linear Thinker, and he is talking to you, but you're not making any sense because you're still, you know, coming down off the painkillers and whatever. So you you felt like you were speaking gibberish. So what happened? Well, you know, so he's going back and forth with it, and he's telling me his story, obviously, you know, and retroactively, and and. You know, he says to me, I had this huge sense of relief because you were getting so annoyed with me. And I go, you know, and I'm like, why would you right. believe that I'm getting annoyed? And he goes, yeah, you know, you're, you're exhaling hard, you're rolling your eyes. And he oh, goes, yeah. you were still there. Yeah. I knew that your head was okay. I right. knew that my kid was still there. I knew you were still you. And that, for me, when he said that to me, was a light bulb to me, which was, I'm not trying to save the information about my mom. I'm trying to save what I know is her, what right. I know her to be. And it, it opened up this whole thought process about the fact that, you know, my mom, as we all are, was many different people to many different people. You know, you, you are a personality isn't this sort of universal right. truth, right? You're we're thousands of personalities, really. And sure. in, in, in that, that personality that is Ian or is Justin is right. really just an aggregation of tons of smaller personalities and, and, and really truly made me realize the biggest tragedy of death is that for the survivors, 
this personality of mine that came out from my mom for 40 years by the time she died, um, it was just going to go away. It was just going to be stuck there. I mean, it was, mm. doesn't go away. I'm alive. I still, that part of me is still there that wants to connect with her, but there's nobody for me to pull it out for because I only had one mom. And so yeah. that's when we really, it, it clicked for us. So we don't actually build a virtual personality. We call them personas. Right. We build dozens, depending on who wants to remember the person, who wants to connect with that person, because it's going to be a different relationship. And I, I think you had started this question asking how we do it. And it's really looking, when you think about everything that a relationship is based on, it's communication. Right. How do you communicate with your friends? How do you communicate with your partner? How do you communicate with your parents, your children, et cetera, et cetera? And those, that, that's where they see and experience the difference is how you communicate with them. And so we analyze the communication, and that's evergreen, right? We, as long as you have the communications, whether it's email or text or phone calls that you recorded or videos, that's all we need. So the person who's passed never had to have recorded anything. As long as we have some samples of their communication, we can analyze what the patterns were that were unique to your two's relationship dynamics. You know, there's a there's this survey. I've seen it done a bunch of times, and the, the percentage may vary, but that if somebody got us 40%, 40% of who we knew we are and 40% of how we think, if they got us 40%, then they really did know us. But that still leaves this huge part of us that is not known to that person. And we might feel a kind of kinship, almost a kind of twinship, maybe even, with somebody else, but they don't really get us. They get a part of us. And they and there's all sorts of psychological surveys about relationships and communication that would back that up. Well, you know, I think that's interesting. One of my philosophies internal is we have to think small to think big. And yep. so I, I, I would, I, I would say that no one really knows anybody. And I right. would say most people don't know themselves. I don't think right. people are taking mental note of the fact that you change dramatically throughout the entire day, depending on who you're interacting with. That's really I mean, true. There's just, you know, there's just no way you go home to your wife. And you speak to her the same way that you spoke to your drinking buddies or your or your colleague or your boss. I mean, they're just very different people. Or and you do that do at your so peril. <laughs> right, yeah, or, right, right. If, if you get home and start talking to your wife the same way you talk to the guys down at the bar, you, you may not have a wife well, much longer. And, and we actually have a rule in our house, too, that you have to bring the best to the nest. That's our rule. And so you, you can't just give the world your best and then come home and be all grumbly and unhappy the 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 point of every day is that you come home and you recharge your batteries at home but you still have to retain that best part of you you can't take it out of the people that you love the most i mean i think that's absolutely beautiful to start and and the world would probably be a better place if everybody you know adopted that but i think that Really, you know, I started noticing it for myself when I started analyzing my own communications. You know, I, there's all kinds of variances. I mean, really, from the, the tone of my voice, from the tempo, right. from the, the, the right. speed in which I respond, the language I use, you know, um, you know, everything changes. I mean, it's just so drastically different that, yeah. you know, you could put how I'm hanging out with my buddies when we're riding motorcycles and going to bars and 
you know, doing whatever we're doing to how I, you know, would be speaking to and my it, mother. I mean, those are right. night and day people. Right, or a business meeting, or, you know, Absolutely. going to the dentist. Well, <laughs> it doesn't really matter. Or when the FCC is listening to the radio. You know, I'm yeah. speaking totally different than I would be, you know? So that, right. it's, it's different. It's a different person. Does that make it any less me? Not at all. You know, it's, it's right. just a different me. It's a different version of myself. So how then, what is the process then for capturing those data points of your personality that could create a persona, a reliable persona, as you call them, that would help somebody in a grief process? So, you know, what we do is we analyze data. I mean, it's, it's looking at data points. So our, the proprietary nature of what we do is we have thousands of data points. And I think a lot of people get freaked out by the idea of AI and, and then mm-hmm. machine learning underneath that. And, you know, really all that is is we're just telling when we go into code, um, a program to work, all we're doing is saying, hey, and if you find something else, add it to the code base. Not Nothing crazier than that. So it's, it's basically what we say is, Here's a, a, a hundred data points to start that are unique to these communications that, that vary from sort of universal natural language models, right? Find something right. different about these. What, what, what is unique within these two communications? And as you find other patterns that don't exist in other places, add them, right? And so that what happens is then when you, when you, when you apply a persona to a natural language model, and you could use any of them, it's drawing from a set of data that is completely unique between these two people. And so the answers and the responses and the questions and the, the prompts come out very uniquely to what the surviving person is expecting to hear. And, and that's, I think, what makes it so special is that it's, it's literally thousands upon thousands and thousands of data points um, you know, learned by our, by our right. technology in a matter of minutes. And then when you go to speak with it, it behaves in the way that you expect it to behave. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, 
it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So I'm not freaked out by AI, and I'm not... um, I I, I respect a lot about what you're doing and, and what this application can mean. I don't think, however, that I have seen evidence yet in general, not this application, but in general, on the value of AI and machine learning, which is resulting in students not even writing a paper, where they just, as you, you know, as we say, type in some data points, hit a button, write a paper, go back to the bar. That's not an education. And and it, it, it's fairly transparent. I don't think they see it that way. Um, but, you know, and we can make all the comments we want about, you know, they're only cheating themselves and whatever. But are you really getting an education by doing that? And at some point that might just show up, believe it or not. And I'm I'm less excited about that aspect of AI than I am about this. What I like about this is it actually replicates using technology a fairly traditional way of understanding place and family. Well, I, yeah, absolutely. And then that's, you know, we, we call our users community members. I mean, there's almost everybody in the company is related or has personal relationships. So we're very about familial bonds and, and, right. and replicating that with technology. But one thing I would say about AI is it, it, Ultimately, it's artificial intelligence as an umbrella is just allowing for computer software to integrate new information into its code so that it can do new and better things. So when we think about the value of AI, I mean, you know, I think about cancer research. I think about what we are doing. You know, I mean, super. you can have something that's continuously learning and finding better ways to do it. I mean, that's the real value. When it comes to certain, you know, I think really more what you're, you're thinking about is, you know, natural language processing and things of that nature. Yeah, there's some, some questions around it. I, I think, you know, my, my attorney friends aren't super enthused by this, but when you think about a lot of the things that 
a, a program like artificial, you know, like a chat GPT, let's say, which I, I think right. I love what open AI is doing. And, um, but if you think about the access that creates, you know, not everybody can afford, uh, four or $500 an hour, whatever the going rate for an attorney is to get some advice before they have to go represent themselves in a small claims court or before they sign a contract. And, and so I, I think there's a, there's a ton of really valuable applications for that kind of technology that, that goes far beyond the sort of the media frenzy about students are cheating now. It, yeah. it, as soon as it's not a frenzy, like that, man. It's not a frenzy, man. I do. You just got to You got to trust me on this as a professor. You just got to trust me. It's not like media frenzy. Like we all lost our perspective. I teach media and this is a problem. And it's going to get worse. And when we, even with the idea of these open sources for, say, for example, it's one thing to have like a Zoom where there's a format and there's a, but the amount of, of, um, the kiting of information and the way things are going to be pilfered here and there, I'm, I would say your, company and your idea is a great one i'm not sure you would enjoy it so much if somebody were coming along and they were taking out little bits of it in an untraceable way and then using it to create their own work when you did the all of the original heavy lifting no for sure not i mean but i i also think that you know one that's already happening I mean, let's be real about you. Yeah, know, no kidding. It's happening. It's already happening oh, for us. You know, we, right. we've already seen people popping up and using some of the same strategies. And we could run around and, you know, we, we have our technology patent. We could run around and start filing lawsuits and whatever. But, you know, there's two things for me that, that really matter. The first is um, if people are applying this and doing something good with it, if it's if it's alleviating loneliness, if it's alleviating grief, and we're not getting a cut of that financially, I can, it's fine. I can live with that. That I, think, I get. I yeah. think the other thing is that, you know, we've put in an extraordinary amount of work in building a, tr in a trust with our community members and with users and, and, and being out in the world and, and explaining why we've done this. You know, it's not easy, if I'm being honest, Ian, to, to tell the story of my mother dying, to tell the story of myself all, uh, almost dying, over and over and over again, but I feel a responsibility um, to be vulnerable and open like that so that people feel safe using our technology and understand our motivation. And so, I, you know, I think ultimately um, people will use our product and people will feel comfortable with the product because they trust us as a company and they yep. know why we're doing it. And, and to your point, I, you know, I was a high school teacher and I, I was, I was long done teaching before, you know, the chat GPT revolution, but Certainly, I've I've seen many of many of the techniques of cheating as we all do as yeah. educators, um, and and I hear you, and I, I'm very firmly in the ca camp of you only cheat yourself when you cheat, um, and and ultimately, you know, I think that um, especially with something like media, you know, nobody is paying too much attention to what grades you got in school. So if you cheated your way through it and you can't, you can't put together a reel or you can't put together a piece of journalism that blows an That's editor's fine. mind, it doesn't matter anyway, you know? And so I, I always sort of feel like, you know, karmically and, 
and universally and, and with, you know, when you do things with good intentions or bad intentions, the results are going to reflect that. And so okay. I don't overly worry about that sort of thing. And I understand and I that the good far outweighs the bad. And I just, I want to hear you feel that confident about a team of surgeons who fake their way through med school, who are now looking at your broken body. And I'm not trying to exaggerate, and this is not hysterical. This is an ancient problem. Um, this is an ongoing problem with people who go to, and they can, they can come up with the, the same credentials as the next person. And then the only way they're going to, as you point out, you know, it's one thing if you're just saying, well, you know, media is a talent driven business. So if you've got the talent, you'll rise. If you don't, you know, then it will reveal itself over time. Well, do you want to be that ninth patient? I don't think so. And I, and I, I think there's a, there is, there are enough problems right now with it that I just think we're way in front of any kind of backstop to it. And that's what concerns me. And so it's, it's not that I, 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 I think the whole idea is terrible and I'm not being some old guy with a hose saying, get off my lawn. What I'm saying is like anything, we need to always be looking 20 blocks down the road, not just three blocks behind us. And, and that's the part I'm worried about. Not this though, because I really like what this is a tool for for helping individuals manage grief. And like I said, it comes from a long tradition, right? Of people, whether it's, even if we just looked at it photographs and that was one, that was an innovation in and of itself was to take a photograph of somebody who had died so that you would have that to look at them. So you didn't have to rely only on your memory. It's, it's really that kind of a grief, um, it's sort of a grief manager. It's sort of a tool for grief managing that has a that goes back, you know, hundreds of years. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. 
People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.